0: Greetings in the Lord Jesus. Uh, if you uh, are like me, it's been so long since you have quoted Psalm 100, you could turn there. I'd like to say it together this morning. <clears throat> I uh, thought I could, and I thought, well, if I stand up here and try to say it without looking, I'll probably mess up. So I'm turning to it. Psalm 100. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. All right, Uh, maybe for a title we'll have something like, In the Presence of God, or Into the Presence of God. And I was looking at Revelation 4 and 5, and then I decided, well, we're going to start a little earlier than that. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4 and I don't have one of these real tightly reasoned outlines somehow or other I don't make them much anymore but uh, I want to think about worship coming into God's presence so let's start with Cain and Abel in uh, Genesis 4 and Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said I've gotten a man from the Lord and she bear, and she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So they came to worship, brought their offerings. These were men that knew God he talked to them personally a little different than we today I mean maybe God speaks to us too but probably not quite the same way he did to them I I thought about that and so you have two men they know God they know what he wants they brought their offerings there is a right way and there is a wrong way to offer worship to God apparently and uh, we could discuss what the wrong way was here and what the right way was I don't think we'll go into that I think we have some ideas about that already Cain did it according to what he thought was best it becomes obvious rather than what God said was best and it's interesting to me that God didn't say to him you know your hearts not right he said if thou doest well If thou doest well, you'll be okay. Let's go into Exodus chapter 19. And I'm not going to tell you always what I'm thinking. You're going to have to do a little thinking yourself this morning. I'm not making every point so crystal clear that you can't miss it. So, Exodus 19. Into his presence. In the third month, when the children of Israel were going forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, and forth they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel." You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever toucheth the mount shall be surely put to death. There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. Moses went down from the mount unto the people, and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day, come not at your wives. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning... That there were thunders and lightnings and thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that the people, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at another part of the mount, at the lower part of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in a fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people lest they break through to the Lord, unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priests also, which come near to the Lord, sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds upon the mountain, sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, and thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priests and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. And Moses went down unto the people, and spake unto them. those verses along about 18 and 19 so you have this great dark cloud on top of the mountain and thunder and lightning and the earth's shaking people are terrified meeting the living God is not something to be taken lightly at least it wasn't for them even by the way when it's his purpose to bless you and to to make you his own special people, kingdom of priests and a an holy nation, which is what he said earlier. It's still not something to be taking, taken lightly. And you notice they were to be clean, they were washed, to wash and make sure that they were sanctified, set apart and ready to meet this God. Well, of course, the next chapter you have the Ten Commandments that God gave them there. Let's read a little more at, uh, toward the end of chapter 20, verse 18. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood far off. Well, they turned and ran or something like that and decided they were going to be a little further away. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make with me, make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make unto you gods of gold an altar of earth shalt thou make unto me and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen and in all places where I record my name I will come unto thee and I will bless thee and if thou wilt make me an altar of stone thou shalt not build it of hewn stone or if thou lift up thy tool upon it thou hast polluted it neither shalt thou go up by steps unto mine altar that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon okay People said, This is too much for us. <laughs> you talk to God and then come to us. We don't want this business of seeing God face to face, we could say. <clears throat> and maybe now would just be a good time to read what Hebrews says about that experience. So we're not done with the Old Testament, but Hebrews chapter 12, a little after what Andrew read this morning. That was the Old Testament. That was the God of the Old Testament, we might say. A fearful thing. All right, Hebrews 12, 18. For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness, and darkness, and tempest, and the sound of the trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded and if so much as a beast touched a mountain it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart and so terrible was the sight that Moses said I exceedingly fear and quake but you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem and unto an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. Okay, we could we could say, yeah, that Old Testament God, that's the way it was then. But read this. We're coming into something much better. And we are, by the way. <laughs> But he didn't stop there. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Same God, a greater covenant, greater privileges, greater responsibility, greater accountability. So, no not the blackness and the smoke and the thunder and the awfulness of Mount Sinai. Something much greater, much more awesome. Forty years later, when Moses reviewed the law in Deuteronomy, he, he reminded those people what happened there on Mount Sinai. Maybe we'll read that one yet on the way by. Deuteronomy 4. These were the children, some of them would have been alive and probably remembered, many of them had not been there. I notice that Moses speaks to them as if they had been, it was still pretty clear in his mind. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, verse 7, For what nation is there so great, who hath God so nigh unto them? And the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, unless lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the, the earth and that they may teach their children and you came near and stood under the mountain and the mountain burned with fire under the midst of heaven with darkness clouds and thick darkness and the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire you heard the voice of the words but saw no smellitude only ye heard a voice and it goes on Moses hadn't forgotten 40 years later and he didn't want the people to forget either Into his presence. How do we come into God's presence? Isaiah chapter 6, the Gospel of Isaiah, I like to call it. How did you come to church this morning? We were here, all of us, just I think about all of us in good time. We had a little time to sit and think before church. How did you approach God? And does it matter? Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting up on a throne high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. So here you have heaven, heaven trembling and smoke again. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged also I heard the voice of the Lord saying whom shall I send and who will go for us then said I here am I send me and he said go I'll stop there Isaiah saw the Lord when we see God and when we see God as he is we'll see ourselves as we are now wasn't Isaiah a man of God I think he was but when he saw the Lord he says woe is me I'm undone I'm I'm unmade I go to pieces I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among people like that was his estimation correct? did he see himself the way he described himself was it correct I thought about a couple other passages when Simon Peter saw it that great catch of fish that Jesus gave him he fell down at Jesus knees saying depart from me O Lord I am a sinful man if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us that's written to Christians. And Paul said, In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And we're in the flesh. We can't please God ourselves. And we come into God's presence and we see him like he is. We should see ourselves. We will see ourselves if we see him. If we really see him. And I was trying to think through that this morning. Okay, so it is my view of God correct? Probably not. Is yours? No, probably not. You're still learning. (laughs) I am too. But we want it to be as correct as it can be and and we know he's holy and he's awesome and he's great and, and, and that we are nothing before him and the better we know him, maybe the better we know ourselves, I'm not sure. But the, the, the more correct our view of ourselves will be, and more like Isaiah here, probably. Well, okay. Cleansing was necessary again. Verse 6, you have one of these seraphim bringing that live coal from the altar and touching Isaiah's lips. Cleansing has to come from God itself. You can't make yourself good enough. well okay if you bring your gift to the altar and you realize that you're not as clean as you should be you should get cleaned up but even that comes from God has to come from him and then verse 8 was interesting to me the normal response the normal worship of a cleansed heart is to give oneself present your body as a living sacrifice which is your reasonable worship okay it's his service in the King James a lot of the other versions say worship it's your reasonable worship to give yourself Isaiah nobody had to tell him that he'd been cleansed and God says I need somebody to go And Isaiah says, I'm here, Lord. What else would you say if he just cleansed you and you were his servant? And he says, I need somebody. (laughs) Tell John to go, right? Is that worship? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. It's your reasonable service. See, there's that verse that talks about as the, the servant standing by is, is watching his master's eye, just, to, just waiting for him to look at him and, and expect him to do something. That's us. That's part of our worship. Psalm 27, 8, When thou said, Seek my face, What did your heart say? My heart said, Lord, I am seeking your face. I will. How does it say it? I have it here somewhere. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Come into his presence with singing. Okay, so we started singing this morning. Oh, well, I remember thinking. Could have been a better beginning song. Not Bradley's fault. It was a good song. It was my fault. (laughs) I chose to sing it with joy and, and it was a good song. I liked it. Is it up to someone else to choose the right song so that I can worship properly? Or is it up to me that I worship properly? And then there was the Lord Jesus who, when he came, said, I delight to do thy will. Oh, my God, thy law is within my heart. Enter into his presence. Well, how do we worship? And we could go backwards in Isaiah to chapter 1 where God says, I hate your feast. I hate all this worship you're bringing me. Because their lives weren't adding up do what they were professing when they brought those offerings. All right, let's go on to Revelation chapter 1 for a start. 1 here you have John verse 9 will start in I John who also am your brother and companion in tribulation so apparently he didn't seem to think it was strange there was tribulation by the way thinking back about Sunday school lesson and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the aisle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ I was in the spirit on the Lord's day And, okay, he doesn't tell us what that meant. I assume he was worshiping the Lord that day. It was the Lord's day. And heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book. And send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, and Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one likened to the Son of God, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet likened to fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Okay, John's in the Lord in the spirit on the Lord's day he hears this great voice behind him speaking and he turns and you have one, two, three, four five verses of description and verse 17 I fell at his feet as did when I saw him he fell at his feet a whole lot faster quickly, more quickly than it took to uh, read this description in those five verses So I guarantee you he turned and he saw him and he went down We can see all of that a lot faster than we can describe it. Well, what did he do that for? This was Jesus' best friend, right? The disciple that Jesus loved. He had been Jesus' best friend on earth. and, And here was one likened to the Son of Man, and he is on his face in front of him. Just like that. Kind of like Isaiah, wasn't it? He was undone. The Lord had to reach down and help him up. Fear not. Don't be afraid. So here is God, the Son. And God is God. We aren't worthy, able, as living human beings here and now to enter into his presence, not into his very presence. (laughs) Through Christ we can, but we have to remember who we are. I thought about that verse in Ecclesiastes. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth. Therefore let thy words be few." And I didn't say this at the beginning. I thought about it. In, in today's world, today's churches, many of them, there's this kind of uh, mentality where you know, God is a, a good buddy. He's a grandfatherly figure who's there to help us out of our troubles and, and whatever. And, and worship involves worship teams, whatever that is and their job is to lead us in our worship and pretty often it, it involves uh, some physical action And well anyway don't be rash with your mouth don't be hasty to utter anything before God don't be quick to make vows maybe he's saying even Alright, so Jesus has to help John back to his feet or at least up to his knees or something. We don't know quite how this worked. And I noticed in verse 19, he gave him a job. Right. And I'm not too concerned about the eschatology here in the book right now. I'm just noticing that he gave him a job. That's what happens when you worship God, he gives you jobs. Worship of God on Sunday morning is not an end in itself. Coming before his presence is, is only, a maybe we could say that's the formal part of worshiping God. God has a job for us. Seems like that's always true. The Cain, if thou doest well, if thou doest well, To Isaiah, go and tell this people. And to John, write. And a little later he told him, thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Well, let's go on over to uh, chapter 4 and chapter 5. We'll look at those two chapters yet. And in these two chapters I see uh, the worship of the Father in chapter 4 and the worship of the Son in chapter 5. And you'll find the Holy Spirit in both, by the way. Chapter 4. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard, the voice of Jesus again apparently, was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, Hmm. Mount Sinai again. And there were seven lamps of fire blazing before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts, full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had the face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are, and were created." And So when a person enters God's presence, God takes center stage. I notice that here immediately. Verse 2, I was in the spirit, and what did he see? He saw the throne. And him that sat there on. and he gives you a description of him that sat there on uh, can you tell me what God looks like after reading that well I can't either uh, God is just totally indescribable and I don't. well anyway it's just the way it is John was struggling for words to say what he saw and we don't really can't really say much about that so well you have four and twenty elders around the throne and in my mind they probably represent the Old Testament and New Testament saints there were twelve sons of Jacob there were twelve apostles I don't know I'm just guessing but it makes good sense anyway then you have these living creatures and they look like the same as the seraphim back in Isaiah 6 they had six wings and they're saying pretty much the same thing holy 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 interesting faces you have a lion and a calf and an eagle and a man and there again i don't know exactly what they represent maybe they just represent the entire animal kingdom that kingdom that does glorify god totally even man well yes even man man doesn't always do it on purpose (laughs) but he glorifies god too All creation gives God the glory due him. Well, and so when those living creatures, the beasts, calls them here in the King James, they're just living creatures, when they give glory and honor and thanks to him, the four and twenty others fall down and and worship too. And when is that? Well, verse 8 says, These four beasts rest not day and night, they do it all the time. And what are they saying? Verse 11. Here's their proclamation. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Because you created all things. And you did it to please yourself, to bring yourself glory. For your glory they exist. They are. And for your glory they were created. And I think, at least for myself, and I think in general, we don't acknowledge God's greatness enough, as much as we should. We don't acknowledge even our own de- in- our dependence upon Him as much as we should. He created us. I mean, okay, you can look at this and say, "Well, what's so great about that?" Well, if He hadn't created us, then we wouldn't be here. Period. Are you glad to be here? Well, okay. Sometimes we get a little discouraged, and we sort of wish we weren't unbelief. Well, yeah, right. It is <laughs> slapping God in the face, isn't it? Hmm. <laughs> well, try to create yourself, or do like the scientists and say, over billions and billions and billions and billions of years, you finally climbed out of the goo and became you. Oh, uh, anyway. And there was a serious article in the paper just yesterday, was it, where the man was extolling evolution about how wonderful it was. I was a little surprised. But anyway, it would have to be pretty wonderful, wouldn't it? Thou hast created all things, you've made me. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here. The things that I know, the joys that I've had... This beautiful wife that I've lived with all my life. I wouldn't know any of that good stuff. Wouldn't know the Lord. Wouldn't have the joy of serving him. Well, there'd be a few problems I wouldn't have too. But hey, we just learned this morning we're supposed to rejoice in them, right? Okay, John, I see you smiling. So existence is actually a pretty good thing, or it's intended to be. To know God is why we were created, to glorify God, a very good thing. And so, you know, maybe on the average Sunday morning, God's greatness and our smallness doesn't strike us like it did the Israelites at Mount Sinai or like it did John in chapter 4 here is it any less so is he still is, is he any less worthy of our praise is he any less worthy of us considering that and coming and worshiping him as who he is well, of course not. He's, he's worthy. <laughs> it's probably a good exercise for us to think about that when we come to church on Sunday morning and when we sit down for our devotions on Monday morning and when we have our family worship on Tuesday morning and all of that or evening, whatever it is. We know it and it's good for us to acknowledge it to him, to ourselves. It's good for us to do that. It helps us to worship in spirit and in truth. Well, let's go into chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, you've probably heard the expression, well, I won't say it, but let's just say here, all heaven broke loose into praise. It just, <laughs> everything in heaven gave praise to God and we'll read on and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne when he had taken the book the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of saints and they sung a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and that's made unto made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels around about the throne, and the beast, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which was in heaven... And on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be unto him that setteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Interesting this chapter starts with a problem in heaven and you thought heaven was a place with no problems (laughs) so when God's people when it appears that God's will is not being fulfilled God's people sometimes do weep and John wept but it was a lack of understanding on his part in this case in the spirit of here am I send me Lord I'll do my part I can just imagine John thinking well I'd do it if I could there's got to be somebody and he's okay so maybe it's just a vision we don't know how it is but it was real enough to him and God the God of all comfort comforted him and said we've got one that's prevailed the lion of the tribe of Judah he has prevailed to open the seals the root of David great just what we needed a lion and John turns and looks and sees the lamb as it had been slain Now, take that and put it in your grinder, men, about the the Sunday school lesson this morning. And why is it that sometimes the world seems to be winning and the Christian seems to be losing the lamb as it was slain? There was a phrase going through my mind that uh, I didn't get said in Sunday school, but it is the way the master went. It's the way we will go, too. It's not the highway. it's the low way, it's the way of suffering. He saw a lamb. You think he really saw a lamb? Do we take this literally? That's a word we use a lot when we talk about revelation, isn't it? Is it literal or is it not? Well, I think that's what he saw. He said so. I mean, if he had seen a man girt about with a golden belt and all of that, he would have said that, right? He saw a lamb. It was There was a reason for it. Just a meek and lowly lamb as it had been slain. But not your average lamb. It had seven horns and seven eyes. The spirit of God. And by the way, the spirit of God was back in chapter 4. Seven lamps of fire. Blazing. Provides light. Provides burning. Hear their eyes. They see. Their horns. It's powerful. Why seven? Well, I don't know. It's a perfect number, they say. Why not seven? Sevenfold spirit, some of the versions say. <clears throat> we don't have to have all those answers. <laughs> we just need the spirit. Why is this lamb worthy? Why is this lion worthy? For thou wast slain. Twice in there it says that For thou wast slain He was slain and he purchased us He took the low road He went as low as a man could go The song says Maybe lower Why is he worthy? He was slain They break forth into this new song Not only the Old Testament one that he hath created all things and me included. But he's redeemed all things and he did it in a glorious way. The Old Testament is still true. We are still created by him. But he was slain and redeems us. And he's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of it. Every Sunday morning, well, sure. When you come here Sunday morning, you ought to be coming to worship. You get up tomorrow morning, you ought to be worshiping. Practice uh, worshiping Him as you get out of bed. Thank Him for the day, for the ability to get up. And if you have trouble doing that, just remember that a while ago we heard about somebody he's able to move his pinky now that's an improvement you able to move your pinky yet (laughs) hmm okay we have lots of reason to praise so we're here in the presence of god this morning our god is a consuming fire he knows what's in our hearts he knows the thoughts and the attitudes and everything about us tomorrow morning when you open your bible for personal devotions or tomorrow evening or whenever it is he knows then too he's worthy just as worthy then as he is now How do you pray? You know, I tend to ask for lots of things. I'd like to challenge us to begin with some praise. Thank you, Father, for making me, creating me, sure, for saving me, for giving me life, or leading for leading or and you could go on and on and on and on and on just for the next hour just with thanking him for the good things he's done for you seems like that would be a, a good way to remind us that we are dependent on him that all the good things we have so far came from him but nothing not even our paycheck is something we earned okay so I put forth some energy and I worked to earn that and well who gave you the strength who gave you the ability who gave you the mind who made you so that you can still move your pinky plus a lot of other things to make that work happen so let's remind ourselves of who he is who we are and let's don't forget to acknowledge it to him and be thankful to him and to love him so much that I give myself to him and that I'm like the like the prophet before he was a prophet says here am I Lord you can send me I'll do it All of that's part of worshiping in spirit and in truth and I'm sure lots more maybe y'all have anything to add, you could add it. Let's sing a song.